Preface to The Iliad of Homer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Armenta. The Iliad of Homer. Rendered into English blank verse by Edward, Earl of Derby. Preface In the spring of 1862, I was induced, at the request of some personal friends, for private circulation only, a small volume of, quote, translations of poems ancient and modern, end quote, in which was included the first book of the Iliad. The opinions expressed by some competent judges of the degree of success which had attended this attempt to infuse into an almost literal English version something of the spirit, as well as the simplicity of the great original, were sufficiently favorable to encourage me to continue the work which I had begun. It has afforded me, in the intervals of more urgent business, an unfailing and constantly increasing source of interest, and it is not without a feeling of regret at the completion of my task, and a sincere diffidence as to its success, that I venture to submit the result of my labor to the ordeal of public criticism. Various causes, irrespective of any demerits of the work itself, forbid me to anticipate for this translation, any extensive popularity. First, I fear that the taste for and appreciation of classical literature are greatly on the decline. Next, those who have kept up their classical studies and are able to read and enjoy the original will hardly take an interest in a mere translation, while the English reader, unacquainted with Greek, will naturally prefer the harmonious versification and polished brilliancy of Pope's translation, with which, as a happy adaptation of the Homeric story to the spirit of English poetry, I have not the presumption to enter into competition. But admirable as it is, Pope's Iliad can hardly be said to be Homer's Iliad, and there may be some who having lost the familiarity with the original language which they once possessed, if I have at all succeeded in my attempt, have recalled to their minds a faint echo of the strains which delighted their earlier days, and may recognize some slight trace of the original perfume. Numerous as have been the translators of the Iliad, or of parts of it, the meters which have been selected have been almost as various. The ordinary couplet in rhyme, the Spenserian stanza, the trochaic or ballad meter, all have had their partisans, even to that, quote, pestilent heresy, end quote, of the so-called English hexameter, a meter wholly repugnant to the genius of our language, which can only be pressed into the service by a violation of every rule of prosody, and of which 
notwithstanding my respect for the eminent men who have attempted to naturalize it i could never read ten lines without being irresistibly reminded of canning's quote, dactylics callest thou them god help thee silly one End quote. but in the progress of this work i have been more and more confirmed in the opinion which i expressed at its commencement that whatever may be the extent of my own individual failure quote, if justice is ever to be done to the easy flow and majestic simplicity of the grand old poet it can only be in the heroic blank verse End quote. i have seen the isolated passages admirably rendered in other meters and there are many instances in which a translation line for line and couplet for couplet naturally suggests itself and in which it is sometimes difficult to avoid an involuntary rhyme but the blank verse appears to me the only meter capable of adapting itself to all the gradations if i may use the term of the homeric style from the finished poetry of the numerous similes in which every touch is nature and nothing is overcolored or exaggerated down to the simple almost homely style of some portions of the narrative least of all can any other meter do full justice to the spirit and freedom of the various speeches in which the old warriors give utterance without disguise or restraint to all their strong and genuine emotions to subject these to the trammels of couplet and rhyme would be as destructive of their chief characteristics as the application of a similar process to the paradise lost of milton or the tragedies of shakespeare the effect indeed may be seen by comparing with some of the noblest speeches of the latter the few couplets which he seems to have considered himself bound by custom to tack on to their clothes at the end of a scene or an act i have adopted not without hesitation the latin rather than the greek nomenclature for the heathen deities i have been induced to do so from the manifest incongruity of confounding the two and from the fact that though english readers may be familiar with the names of zeus or aphrodite or even poseidon those of hera or ares or hephaestus or leto would hardly convey to them a definite signification it has been my aim throughout to produce a translation and not a paraphrase not indeed such a translation would satisfy with regard to each word the rigid requirements of accurate scholarship but such as would fairly and honestly give the sense and spirit of every passage and of every line omitting nothing and expanding nothing and adhering as closely as our language will allow ever to every epithet which is capable of being translated and which has in the particular passage anything of a special and distinctive character of the many deficiencies in my execution of this intention i am but too conscious 
whether I have been in any degree successful, must be left to the impartial decision of such of the public as may honour this work with their perusal. D. Knowsley, October, 1864 Note to the fifth edition The favourable reception which has been given to the first editions of this work far exceeding my most sanguine hopes affords a gratifying proof how far in my preface i had overrated the extent to which the taste for and appreciation of classical literature had declined it will not i hope be thought extraordinary that some errors and inaccuracies should have found their way into a translation executed i must admit somewhat hastily, and with less of the lime-labour than I should have bestowed upon it, had I ventured to anticipate for it so extensive a circulation. My thanks, therefore, are due to those critics who, either publicly or privately, have called my attention to passages in which the sense of the author has been either incorrectly or imperfectly rendered. All of these I have examined and have availed myself of several of the suggestions offered for their correction, and a careful revision of the whole work, and renewed comparison with the original, have enabled me to discover other defects, the removal of which will, I hope, render the present edition, especially in the eyes of classical scholars, somewhat more worthy of the favour which has been accorded to its predecessors. D. St. James Square, May 1885 End of Preface